Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh, everyone. Welcome back to Quran 30 for 30. Alhamdulillah, I mean, before we get started, inshallah, just a reminder that because we have the webathon, inshallah ta'ala, tomorrow, we're going to be doubling up just 20 and just 21, inshallah ta'ala. So we're going to be doing just 20 uh, now, inshallah ta'ala, and then you can log back in, inshallah ta'ala, at 11 p.m. Central Time, midnight Eastern Time, inshallah ta'ala, for just 21 bi'ithnillah. So that way, on Sunday, you can join us for the webathon and remain, inshallah ta'ala, plugged in uh, throughout the day, bit in the night ta'ala. So uh, again, inshallah ta'ala, 11 o'clock central tonight will be just 21. Please do also join us for the webathon, bit in the ta'ala. And uh, one of the guests for the webathon and one of our beloved, uh, uh, you know, instructors, one of our beloved uh, researchers, our chief editor, alhamdulillah, uh, Dr. Uwaymar Anjam is with us uh, tonight. Hayakallah, Dr. Uwaymar, how are you? Alhamdulillah. It's a pleasure to have you. And uh, for those that don't know, alhamdulillah, so make sure that you check out the Art of Worship paper that Dr. Oemir uh, wrote. Alhamdulillah, um, on top of being our chief editor, he has written some extremely valuable pieces, alhamdulillah, on uh, the Madani society. And he chose to come in with a very light topic. His first paper for Yaqeen was just a very neutral paper. He wrote on Khilafah. So it was <laughs> nothing too controversial, just came right in. <laughs> it was a powerful paper, alhamdulillah, I mean, on Khilafah um, and um, provoked a lot of discussion that's still ongoing and then wrote, a, a, you know, multiple papers. But this one on art of worship, alhamdulillah, is a beautiful line of tadabbur. So Dr. Wim, can you just talk just maybe a minute about a snapshot of that paper, inshallah, on the art of worship that you wrote? So, you know, I was thinking last Ramadan, um, after, of course, translating Madarij al-Salikin, um, what do I learn from Madarij about worship? Is it a science? You know, what is it? And the idea came to me that it's really an art because it's a, it's a thing of beauty and you have to uh, think about uh, your relationship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as you would if, as if you were creating a piece of art and, uh, you know, everybody comes with different strengths and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you freedom to do so many different things in so many different ways. Um, and just as, you know, a piece of art, if you will, you, you see its beauty once, it's, once it's comes, it comes together at the end. And then others witness the beauty of it, like people, you know, witness the beauty of your character as it is a hadith uh, with it, about the people of Allah, when they are seen, Allah is mentioned. So as if they are a piece of art that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created. And, and anyway, that's what that's what inspired the piece. Alhamdulillah. So inshallah ta'ala, I hope that everyone reads it. Jazakallah khair for that. I have one question for you, Dr. Awain, before, before I start. How do you feel about people that call you Ovamer? Does it bother you? Well, I know one person who calls me a bomber, but um, he, you know, um, but my name is Awaymer. There we go. Alhamdulillah. And, uh, you know, but everybody, including my mom, uh, they call me different things, whatever is easier for them, because the name isn't the easiest. So I actually, Alhamdulillah, do not mind. I'm not offended when people try. Okay. Alhamdulillah. But for, for trivia for everyone, Abu Darda, radiallahu anhu, his name was actually Awaymer. So uh, you're named after a great companion, Tabarakallah. Zakallah khair for being with us, and inshallah ta'ala, we'll go ahead and get started. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam wa rahmatullah. 
So now as we're in Juz 20, uh, we're still in Meccan Quran, and I want to mention one particular verse from Surah Al-Qasas, and then I'll move on to Al-Ankabut. And uh, the reason being is that I had uh, told you all to please pay attention to a ayah that connects to uh, the previous Juz. In the previous juz, we saw وَأَنذِرْ عَشِيرَتَكَ الْأَقْرَبِينَ What Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Shu'ara to warn your closest relatives, to call your closest relatives to Allah first. And we sort of talked about how the Prophet ﷺ built, starting from himself, alayhi salatu wasalam, and then his immediate family, and then his extended relatives, and then he called the tribes that were closest, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And that was a tartib, that was a divine order of how to actually broadcast the call of Islam. And in Surah Al-Qasas, you find a very painful ayah upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and that is verse 56. إِنَّكَ لَا تَهْدِي مَنْ أَحْبَبْتْ وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ يَهْدِي مَنْ يَشَاءَ It is not you who guides whom you will, verily Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, or it is not you who guides whom you love, verily it is Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala who guides whom He wills. And this is something that's very um, profound because it comes in relation to the pain of the Prophet ﷺ at the time of uh, the death of Abu Talib. Prophet ﷺ loved Abu Talib and Abu Talib loved the Prophet ﷺ and protected him. But Abu Talib was insisting um, on his, his ways, the ways of his forefathers. And we know that in those last moments, Abu Jahl, and if, you, if you're watching the meeting Muhammad ﷺ series, we talked about Abdullah ibn Umayyah. Uh, both uh, prompted Abu Talib and uh, caused him to be conflicted in his last moments where the Prophet ﷺ was saying to him, just say, la ilaha illallah, just give me that testimony and I will be able to defend your case before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the Day of Judgment. And they continued to prompt Abu Talib um, so that he would not give the Prophet ﷺ that word and it hurt the Prophet ﷺ deeply. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this as a comfort to him. Uh, and Allah knows who the muhtadin are. Allah knows who the, those who truly are guided uh, are. And this is something that when you think about, um, you know, the prophets that came before, we see the pain of Ibrahim alayhi salam with his father. We see the pain of Nuh alayhi salam with his wife. The pain of Lut alayhi salam with his wife. The pain of various prophets with their children prophets with their parents, prophets with their siblings, and almost all people, uh, all the prophets had issues with some of their people that they loved dearly. And this was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying to the Prophet sallallahu and to us by extension, that guidance belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so we call and we call and we call, but then we leave the rest to Allah azza wa jal. And of course, this is one test of the multiple tests. And so we get into Surah Al-Ankabut. When I'm asked what my favorite surah in the Quran is, and of course, we've said that some of the Sahaba would mention their favorites. Al-Ankabut is one that I often think about because it starts off right from the bat. Do people think that they just simply say we believe and they are left alone, that they are not to be tested? And in reality, uh, everyone that came before you was tested. The righteous were tested before you, whether they were prophets or martyrs or righteous people that were within the stories, the context of those prophets. And that's how Allah knows the truthfulness of a person. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us amongst them and not amongst the opposite that Allah Azawajal mentions. Now, Surah Al-Ankabut talks about tests as a whole, but I'll mention just a few things about the Surah, inshallah, then I'll move on to 
Dr. Uwaymar bidnullahi ta'ala. Surah Al-Ankabut speaks to both. It's, it's very interesting because it's Meccan, but the Mufassirin say that part of it is Mecca prior to the Hijrah to Abyssinia and Mecca prior to the Hijrah of Medina. So it's interesting because the difficulty of migration and Allah is addressing two uh, separate contexts, but within the same category of good deeds, which is migration for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, hijrah for the sake of Allah. So you'll find actually both, some mid-Meccan ayat in the surah and some late Meccan ayat, but both sets of ayat are preceding a very difficult choice for the believers to have to migrate for the sake of Allah, to flee with their religion and escape persecution. And you, you think of the hadith where the Prophet mentions the shaitan coming to a person and in the context of the believers, and when a person's going to become Muslim, the shaitan comes and he says, are you going to become Muslim and abandon the religion of your father and, and your forefathers? And that person, Aba Fa'aslam, that person disobeys the shaitan and becomes Muslim anyway. Now, sometimes that doesn't happen, right? Which we just talked about one of those incidents where the shaitan's messaging penetrates. But then if that doesn't work, when it comes time for hijrah, uh, the person is about to make hijrah in this sequence of hadith and subhanAllah, the shaitan comes and he says, are you really going to leave behind your place of safety and everything you've earned, everything you've worked for in your homeland? And verily, an immigrant lives like a neutered horse. It's very interesting um, terminology, right? That The way that the shaitan describes the vulnerability of the refugee and the vulnerability of an immigrant in this situation. And the Prophet said, Abba, that that person disobeys the shaitan and makes the hijrah anyway. So it wasn't easy to make hijrah, especially when all you knew uh, was Mecca. And so that's where you're seeing the difficult choice of hijrah or to renounce your faith and stay in Mecca. Just a few ayat. Verse 12, that the unbelievers say to the believers, follow our way and we will carry the burden of your sins. And they say, they say so, and they're not even able to carry their own sins, right? They're liars. They're not able to even carry their own burden of sins. They don't even believe in the hereafter, right? For them to say that we'll carry your sins on top of ours. That's part of their mockery. But that's the way they thought about in terms of trade. And verily, they were liars. And according to some of the riwayat, this was a last-ditch attempt with Umar bin Khattab, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, before the hijrah, that Abu Sufyan... Um, and some of uh, his peers came to him and said these things to him directly. They said, listen, just follow us, come back to us. We'll carry your burden on the day of judgment if there is one. Don't worry about it. Come back to us and we'll take care of you. And of course, they succeeded in taking Ayyash ibn Abi Rabi'ah. They took his uh, his cousin, the half-brother of Abu Jahl, uh, away, not by telling him that, you know, you can renounce Islam. Some people did renounce Islam, but but telling him that, you know, your mother is worried about you and come back to your mom. And Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu stayed firm and he continued his way. And this is one of the ways that shaitan comes to a person in vulnerability. In the story of Ka'b ibn Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu, when Ka'b mentions that as I was being excommunicated and waiting for the revelation to come in my regard, that the king of Ghassan, uh, a Christian, sent me a letter and he said, قَدْ بَلَغْنَا أَنَّ صَاحِبَكَ قَدْ جَفَاكَ وَلَمْ يَجْعَلَكَ اللَّهُ بِدَارِ هَوَانٍ وَلَا مُضَيْعَ that it's come to us that your, your companion, the Prophet has abandoned you. And Allah did not put you here to be humiliated or lost. And he said, I took that letter and I burned it in the oven, right? But like, that's how shaitan tries to come to a person when they're in that low point, follow our ways instead. 
And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And those who strive in our cause, we will guide them to our ways. We will open the doors of goodness for them in terms of their paths to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We will open for them ways in this world as well. Finally, وَلَا تُجَادِلْ أَهْلَ الْكِتَابِ إِلَّا بِالَّتِي هِيَ أَحْسَنْ إِلَّا الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا مِنْهُمْ وَقُولُوا آمَنَّا بِالَّذِي أُنزِلَ إِلَيْنَا وَأُنزِلَ إِلَيْكُمْ وَإِلَاهُنَا وَإِلَاهُكُمْ وَاحِدْ وَنَحْنُ لَهُمْ مُسْلِمُونَ Verse 46, as the believers are about to make their way to Medina, Allah says, particularly with the da'wah to the people of the book, argue not with them except in the best of ways, and uh, do not, uh, except for them that are oppressive towards you, those that are nasty and utterly unjust towards you, and say to them, we believe in what was revealed to us, and we believe in what was revealed to you, and our God is your God, and we are amongst those who submit ourselves to Allah. Uh, the scholars say this applies to the believers going to Habasha, Abyssinia, and this applies to the believers going to Medina, Allah giving them the methodology to start with the Christians in Abyssinia, to start from a place of we believe in what was revealed to you in its original form, and we believe in what was revealed to us, and with the Muslims that were migrating to Medina and dealing with the Jewish tribes in Medina, we believe in what was revealed to you and we believe in what was revealed to us. So Ibn Abbas anhu says that this was the methodology for dealing with the people of the book prior to both of the hijras, since both of the hijras were to uh, places where the people of the book uh, resided. So with that, inshallah ta'ala, I will uh, pass it on to our beloved uh, Dr. Awayman, inshallah ta'ala, to take it uh, from there, bidhanah. So the 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 juz that we have today um, has two main surahs, Surah Al-Qasas and Al-Ankabut. Uh, and as Sheikh Umar pointed out, these are surahs uh, that came uh, toward the end of the, the, the Meccan period uh, and uh, some of the Fasirin um, say before uh, the first Hijrah uh, to Al-Habasha as well. And what I want to talk about is how to conceptualize what the Qur'an is doing. You see these middle smakin to surahs, um, these are, this is the epitome, the height of the tarbiyah uh, by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of the Prophet salam and of the companions of the Prophet wasallam. And this is this is the time um, when a lot of surahs are being revealed in Mecca, um, and these surahs, some of them are long, and they seem to have a more calm demeanor, like Surah Al-Araf and Al-An'am. They are long surahs uh, that the Sahaba, perhaps this was a time when people had time to to memorize and reflect on these long surahs, and then you have some surahs uh, toward the end of the Meccan period, when it's the pitch is higher, you know things are really, really uh, difficult. And the message that these surahs are giving uh, is, is dealing with both very particular circumstances and the general message to the Ummah and to humanity at large as the Ummah is going to turn to the Quran year after year until the Day of Judgment. So I want to make two points about how to receive these uh, surahs of the Qur'an, and any surah of the Qur'an. Uh, the first point is that these surahs are, especially in the Meccan period, are creating the mental furniture of a believer. That is, 
how the mind of a believer is structured in and what kind of, uh, if you will, rooms and furniture it, is, it has as a believer and a group of believers confronts difficult challenges in life. Um, the challenge may be that your parents are non-righteous or even mushrikeen, and you are, on the one hand, indebted to them. On the other hand, uh, they're asking you to leave your faith. The challenge may be that you are like Musa, alayhi salam, uh, helpless, raised in the house of a pharaoh, and then is now having to go back and confront the pharaoh. The challenge may be that you are a leader of a community, a lawgiver, uh, as Musa was. You may be a leader, uh, and you find that there are challenges, uh, behavior that uh, confront that that contradicts faith within that community, uh, within the community of believers. You may be Ibrahim alayhi salam, a lone muwahid, a a sole worshiper of Allah subhanahu wa taala in the house of an idol maker in a society and community and a kingdom uh, that is not willing uh, to abandon, to turn away from its idol and from its desires. You may be Nuh who has uh, called on his people year after year after year. And so if you look at these surahs, um, surah uh, al-shu'ara and al-naml and al-qasas, seem to have almost a continuous theme. And the central story in these surahs is the story of uh, Musa alayhi salam. Different aspects of the story of Musa alayhi salam uh, are, are developed. And then in Surah Al-Ankabut, uh, there are other prophet stories are brought in. Now, all of these stories uh, had been mentioned, uh, all of these prophets had been mentioned before in Al-A'raf and earlier surahs Al-Anbiya. But now they're being brought back to deal with uh, the specific situation, which is now the things are difficult. How are you going to deal with when uh, you are being driven out, like Musa alayhi salam had to run away? Um, and how are you going to deal with the situation in your life as Al-Ankabut speaks of Lut alayhi salam? who believed in Ibrahim السلام, and then he was sent to his people who committed a grave uh, fahisha, uh, such a grave fahisha. Uh, and Mulut is an outsider. Um, he's a, he is uh, perhaps the only prophet who is an outsider to his people. So all of these different uh, circumstances are commented on through the stories of prophets so that the mental furniture of a believer is um, is made up of stories and examples of Prophet Muhammad وسلم, first and foremost and then for the Prophet himself the role his role models are uh, Musa uh, and Ibrahim and Isa uh, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him so this is one uh, theme that stands out in uh, all of these Meccan surahs and they are, if you will, the madrasa of the Qur'an. The, 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 the Qur'an is a school, and like in a school, you have different grades and different topics and themes. When you're reading the Qur'an with, with attention to these different themes and to how they relate to the Prophet's life, um, different phases in Prophet's life, 
they actually teach you enormous lessons that you might at first think when you're not paying attention uh, that this is just repetition. The second thing I want to mention is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the short span of 23 years of the mission of the Prophet exposed Muslims individually as well as as a group to new circumstances, new situations, new challenges, and then commented on them. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not leave any significant, any important uh, situation that the ummah was going to face that was not brought up by the story of an individual sahabi, by a woman complaining to the Prophet and the Prophet responding back to her, uh, by uh, some of the sahaba having uh, difficulty in, 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 in confronting the very difficult you know, situation like a war or something. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it happen so that Allah could comment on it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, did not need to do that. He could have just given us a, a book of theory, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it so that all of these stories come to life so that they are felt as a strongly felt emotion that so that you can fully absorb the message of the Quran and also so that you can find, if you will, uh, you could you could find the right furniture for the right situation, um, and that is the great wisdom that the Quran uh, teaches us. And especially, you find them in surahs like Surah Al Qasas and Al Ankabut. Jazakallah khairan. Subhanallah, very powerful. And I think it's I love the mental furniture concept. And I think that one thing that one of um, my teachers had once mentioned is that. When it comes to Nabiullah, the, the Prophet wasallam, his sunnah gives us guidance in everything and we relate to him in everything in our lives. But the stories of the Prophets were not just there to make Rasulullah firm. They are there as timeless lessons. And you know that you're connecting with the stories of the Prophets when you start to experience certain things. And like you said, you immediately go to the room of Musa to the room of Nuh to these different uh, places. Jazakallah khair, uh, Dr. Awaymer, for those beautiful reflections. Inshallah ta'ala, Shaykh Abdullah, take us away and then we'll get to have some little discussion, inshallah ta'ala, as well. Inshallah, Shaykh Abdullah. Bismillah wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wa la amma ba'd. No, just as he was mentioning the different rooms and, you know, the furniture uh, with the prophets and their experiences and their natural, the way Allah has created them, uh, their fitr, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting how within the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he gives them different characteristics. You know, I mentioned, you know, Lut and, and Ibrahim in Sayyidin. I'm going, he's, it's okay for him to be alone, right? He's totally fine with that. But then it's like, okay, you know, Harun Akhi, you know, Lama Raja Musa, Ghadbana Asifan, he came back and he was angry, right? When Moses grabbed Harun's, his beard and his head and he, Yajuruhu Ilay. So you see the personalities that are different with the prophets, and that's comforting. As I mentioned before, the stories of the Sahaba is the same situation. You see the different personalities, even within the four Khulafa al-Rashidin. They have characteristics that has been given, uh, subhanAllah. And that's a, 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 a shameless plug for one of the papers that I really love, phenomenal paper called, um, I think it's Spiritual Personalities. I can't remember the exact name of it, but it really speaks about that by Zuhayab Rahman. Very beautiful paper in regards to that, uh, mashallah. So what I want to touch on, inshallah, is uh, of Qarun. It speaks about 
in the chapter of Qasas, verse number 76 and 77, but primarily verse 77, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving a form of advice to those that he has blessed or have been blessed with an abundance of resources. And we can say money, but I would like to say resources because when we think money, we think of the paper money a lot of times. But as we know, money was the dinar and the dirham. And there was also the barter system, gold and silver. And there was also the barter system that we we see today, but not as, as prevalent as we did in their times. So we can say belongings or resources. Those that have that many resources are, are plentiful. It's important to listen to these forms of advice that was given by, by the people of Qarun to Qarun. Qarun, as was mentioned in the Quran, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, he says, indeed, Qarun was from the people of Musa, but he tyrannized them. And we gave him treasures to whom the keys would burden a band of, of, of strong men. That is, that the keys that he had were so big and huge that it would burden a pan of strong men that would try to hold these keys to show the level of his, his wealth. But with that wealth, he tyrannized people. And he said, thereupon, his people said to him, do not exult any, very Allah subhanahu wa does not like those that are exultant, those that uh, 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 indulge and embellish themselves, themselves in the extravagance to the degree that it can become tyrannical. And this is this the verse that follows that is important because many times we may say as Muslims in regards to the dunya, in regards to this worldly life, the tangible life that we see in front of us that is temporary, we may say that is in contrast with having money or with having an abundance of resources. But that's not the case from an Islamic perspective. Rather, it is whatever you have been given, whether it's $1 or $1 million, how do you use that money? When we look at the ahkam of the sharia and the rulings of the sharia, it really is what deals with the af'al al-mukallafin, the actions of the responsible parties. Primarily, there are some things that are intrinsically haram, but when we talk about the actions of the mukallafin, that is what is important here. So these forms of advice is firstly where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that they relate, says, after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and seek the life, seek the life to come by means of what God has granted you. And to desire from what Allah has given you, so using what you have been given from al-Razaq, al-Wasi, al-Wahab, the bestower, the one that is full of abundance, what he has given you, make sure you use it, again, the verb, you use it in that which is in a way that is beneficial to yourself, by doing it in a way that's pleasing to Allah, to yourself and to others. And in this case, Qarun, because he was a tyrannical individual with the wealth and belongings and resources that he had, they are reminding him what you have, make sure you use it and that which is beneficial to people. Second form of advice is what they say, as was mentioned, the perception of the dunya here is interesting because linguistically, the scholars may say that of, of two different understandings of the word dunya. Dunya is that which is a fil manzila, meaning that it is something that is low and something that shouldn't be valued to the high degree, to the degree that one neglects the akhirah or the actions of the akhirah or the actions that are beneficial for their akhirah. Dunya means proximity as well, being that it is proximal to the time when everything will perish or the akhirah or the next life. Therefore, what's interesting here, Allah says, don't forget your portion from the dunya. Another understanding of this, because there are many understandings from the scholars of tafsir, is that your portion of this dunya is that which is temporary. 
Even though you have a portion of it, don't forget to take from it and that which is beneficial to you. But the word nosib means portion, meaning that your portion that you have within this dunya or the portion of the dunya in and of itself, being that the dunya is something that is temporary and it will not last. It's a beautiful statement that someone mentioned. I mentioned it earlier is, um, subhanAllah, if we think about this concept, you are dead longer than you are alive. SubhanAllah. So when you think of the dunya, as Umar bin Khattab even mentioned, you know, when he passed by a place that was a masbala, he passed by a place that was a, a trash a trash can, and he looked at his companions, and he pointed to the trash can. He said, He said, this is the dunya that all of you cherish. So when he's talking, they're talking to Qarun, and they're saying, look, everything that you have, fan, it is going to end. But what is most important is how you use this to invest in the next life. Third form of advice, where Allah SWT says, wa ahsin kema ahsan Allahu ilayk. To remember, firstly, that Allah is a razaq, as we mentioned earlier, and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you everything that your senses can encounter. Even your senses itself has been given to you by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the beautiful verse that we always mention, uh, and in your own selves, do you not look and ponder? So whatever you have been given, just remember, do good with that which you have been given. Give back to people. If you have resources, make sure that you take from it and give to people that are in need by educating them, by financially supporting them, or by giving your time and expertise. Ahsin kema ahsan Allahu ilayk. And that is the way that it is in, in the Arabic language is to remind you that every single thing that you have has been given to you. As a matter of fact, it is not reciprocal. It's a gift. It's a fadlu and a ni'mah. Fadlu min Allahi wa ni'mah. Last form of advice is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَا تَبَغِي الْفَسَادَ فِي الْأَرْضِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُحِبُّ الْمُفْسِدِينَ And do not cause corruption on the earth. Do not desire. Tabri. Do not desire the fasad on the earth, the corruption on the earth. For verily Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not love the ones that cause corruption. And it's beautiful here because they end the advice with what Allah loves. It's reminding Qarun, look, you are here temporarily. And it's as some of the Mufassirin said, in this advice was for Qarun, it is for every generation, it is for every individual, but particularly those that have the Ausaf and the characteristics of Qarun being that they have been given an abundance and resources. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that really you are those that struggle and work hard for, uh, uh, you know, you work hard to obtain things and you love money in abundance. You love these things in abundance, but make sure that whatever we work hard for, that that work has been given to us by Allah. The faculties that he's been, that he's given to us physically, mentally, intellectually have been given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How are we giving back to people, to others, and not being tyrannical by the resources that has been given by the king and the bestower, al-wahhab, of all resources, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of those that are thankful for every blessing that we have been given. May he allow us to realize that it is a blessing and that we be people of influence and change for the good, inshallah. Jazakallah khair. SubhanAllah, it's in the Quranic terminology, uh, everything that Allah gives to any group of people is relevant to people on both sides of the coin. So. Do not think that Allah is unaware of what the oppressors do. Is comfort for the oppressed and a warning to the oppressor. And so when Allah is talking to a tyrant, 
that's comfort for the one that's a victim of a tyrant and a warning to a person who acts like a tyrant. When Allah is talking to a prophet, it's comfort to the one that is following in the way of the prophet and a warning to the one that oppresses or that, that obstructs uh, righteousness in their society. So it's a beautiful connection, subhanAllah, as we're thinking about the way that the Quran seamlessly brings in uh, these two categories of people, subhanAllah. Dr. Weimer, would you like to share any reflection on, on what was uh, just uh, shared? You're, you're on mute, sorry. Yeah, Jazakallah khair, beautiful yeah. reminder. Um, so when you were talking, I thought uh, about a couple of things. First, the, the fact that Qarun is a believer, right? He belongs to the community of Musa, alayhi salam. So he's a Muslim. And so he he acts uh, the way he does, right, with his 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 tyranny and his access, um, and what I think is quite remarkable about the story of Musa salam, which is why it's the most developed story in the Quran, um, and, and really it's a model for which is Allah Subhanahu wa sets up those stories so that Muslims can learn from it, um, and his story is most complex because he has to deal with. Right from the very beginning, we learn of his story since he's a baby and uh, being thrown uh, into the river uh, by his mother, and so he's born into this 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 tyranny and uh, tyranny and fear, and he grows up in in that uh, in in the palace of of, of Pharaoh, and uh, then when he of course he confronts um, the Pharaoh tyranny but then when he has to confront his own people he has to confront his believers and they uh, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran in Surah As-Saf uh, that they harm him they annoy him they they as if torture him right um, and that's the nature I think there's something to be learned for any da'i any some anyone who wants to give guidance whether somebody is a teacher or a parent or a da'i to Muslims, that it is your people whose hurt is going to be, is going to get to you more than anybody else's. When a Fir'aun does it, you know, you can wear it as a feather in your head. Like, this is this is an honor for me that I'm being tortured by Fir'aun. But then it is people who just passed, who they crossed the Red Sea with you. They saw the greatest... Uh, a miracle, and as Allah says in Surah Al-Araf, as soon as they got on the other side after seeing all of the miracle and the believers and they've seen all of this, they say, Ya Musa, ja'allana ilahan kama lahum aliha. Make us a, go a God, make us an idol like they have an idol to worship, turning away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who gave them the greatest miracle. So that's one thing we learn from the story of Korah or, or Qarun, that this is an internal Muslim problem. And um, well, I'll, I'll I'll just stop there. <laughs> I, I know what's in your heart, uh, or I don't know what's in your heart, but I feel what you're, what you want to, what you want to say, and um, I think it strongly resonates as as it's become abundantly clear when we see the situation of the ummah today that it is our own brothers, unfortunately, that that stab the backs of their brothers that render us in, in, a, in a you know when when hypocrisy and betrayal is just so Khiana is so. Um, shameless, just open, you know, like you're not guessing anymore. It's not, um, you know, just people that will um, support the enemies against their brothers and sisters and, and assist in the oppression. That's at the global level. 
And I know that that's something near and dear to to your heart as a cause. And we're, we see it everywhere, you know, and um, it becomes overwhelming. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from the hypocrites of our ummah and protect us from being hypocrites within our ummah and mm -hmm. arming within. And uh, something, Dr. Waymer, you know, uh, I, I just thought about Umar al-Khattab radiallahu anhu when he was stabbed. And um, he asked who stabbed him. And when they told him it wasn't a Muslim, he said, alhamdulillah, that the person who stabbed me was not someone who says la ilaha illallah because it does hurt. It hurts in the physical sense and it hurts in the emotional sense when the other, when the harm, emotional harm and mental harm come to your own. And that is a, a serious tribulation. Um, so again, may Allah protect us from being on the harming side and protect us from, from the harmed as well, from being harmed in a way that uh, could shake our faith. May Allah keep us firm and, and unite our hearts and purge from us uh, that which is displeasing to him from within us and from without. Allah <laughs> Beautiful reflections, um, powerful reflections, alhamdulillah. Dr. Waymer will be with us for the webathon as well, inshallah ta'ala. We're looking forward to, to having you. And uh, just a reminder to everyone else, inshallah, to please uh, join us, inshallah ta'ala. Support us, inshallah, if you can. And go to yaqeenistude.org slash Ramadan to download the ebooks as well as the papers, including Dr. Waymer's paper that just came out. And uh, join us tonight, inshallah ta'ala, for the uh, second uh, half of this, just 21, inshallah ta'ala, 11 p.m. Uh, Central. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa The benefit of that suhbah, of that coming together to learn, is not merely the imparting of information and the receiving of information or the discussion that takes place. It's people coming together to feel that tranquility from Allah and to also feel like they can talk about Allah in a safe and a thoughtful space. And we've structured these conviction circles over the period of a semester so that these modules actually take into consideration that student's schedule. So that you feel like there's something that you're working towards every time you start a module. And by the end of it, you feel like you've gained some literacy in that topic. And at the same time, you've identified the, uh, the proper parameters that are given to us through the tradition as to how we should look at these issues. And you also have some mature discussion and the bonding that takes place through that mature discussion with other classmates and other students that probably have the exact same concerns and the exact same questions about our tradition. Our goal is not just to have a place for critical thinking. We also want to encourage self-reflection. This is not just some sort of intellectual playground. This is meant to be a camp for self-development because we believe at Yaqeen that conviction directly leads to contribution.